0: I'm Matthew Hennessy, and you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmeshaw.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Holmeshaw. The podcast where we explore and discuss topics from the academic world and begin to explain as coaches how we can implement these into our coaching practice. As always, uh, thanks for joining us, and I hope that everyone's well, staying safe, staying occupied, and... And just having fun, really, in this in this strange period that we're all in at the minute. Um, today, I'm I'm absolutely delighted to be uh, to be joined by a good pal of mine from the uh, the undergraduate degree, uh, sports coaching at Leeds Beckett University, uh, Mr. Matt Hennessy. Matt, how are you getting on? How are you? Uh,
0: well, funny you ask that, Sam. I've got two answers for that question. The uh, the first answer is uh, I'm all right, thank you. Um, trying to keep busy. Uh, looking forward to getting back to things. And the second answer is, uh, I'm alright, thank you. Um, glad the Premier League's back, glad we're back safely in school and uh, Liverpool are champions for, for the first time in 30 years. So, buzzing, can't believe we won the league. Obviously, I've given both answers because I don't know when the podcast is going to go out. Uh, we could be champions, we may not even have played a game yet, but we'll go with both of those for now.
1: <laughs> I didn't even know you were in Liverpool. Yeah, not too, not too bad. <laughs> Great stuff, great stuff. So so Matt, tell us a bit about, firstly, so it's been, it's been what, seven, eight months since you left the university. So to start us off, tell us a bit about how did you find university? How did you find a sports coaching degree at Beckett?
0: Um, an amazing three years, to be honest. Um, a lot of hard work, met an awful lot of great people, um, peers, uh, people that weren't on my course, um, university lecturers and all the other staff. Um there was a lot of opportunity for discussion with everyone uh, about coaching, about general things. An awesome three years. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of coaching, Leeds Beckett, fantastic. You need to go through, go to for coaching, as you know, as you're doing a Masters. Yeah, Masters. Um, yeah. Great links they have with different clubs and yeah. different societies and all the rest of it. Um, brilliant three years. Definitely, 100% go back.
1: Good stuff, good stuff. So... Tell us a bit about them for the for the for the listeners. Uh, sorry, for the people listening to there that don't know you. Tell us a bit about your experience. So, talk me through talk me through the three years at Beckett. Then, what did you get up to coaching wise, and and what led you to your path today?
0: So, the experiences in first year, the first placement I went on was um, with with the university for one of the uh, modules, and went into a primary school doing lunchtime games. Um, first time I'd been let loose in a primary school by coaching my own group as opposed to like shadowing a teacher. Yeah. Um and to be honest, it was an awful experience. We only did six weeks, so one one session a week. So six hours. Yeah. But after every single one of those hours, I was thinking coaching isn't for me. Yeah. Coaching isn't for me. I hate it. I hate yeah. children. They're so annoying. But that's because <laughs> I hadn't grasped all the ideas about coaching. I hadn't grasped how to run a session properly. I hadn't yeah, grasped yeah, what yeah. to do in a situation. Yeah. Because yeah. we went into a quite a rough school in the centre of Leeds. And the children would um, swear at you all the time. They'd start fighting. They'd be throwing chairs. They'd be wow. they'd come in just to disrupt the session. Yeah. And the dinner ladies would be the other side of the playground, and we'd be trying to break up this fight. Yeah. And we had no idea what yeah. to do, Left what on to your say, own. or Left who on to your go own, to. Yeah. 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 So it was a bit of a, that was a tough one. And then um, placements in second year, I went to a where did I go? Uh, grammar school. Um, and that was a really, really different experience. Um, but throughout the first year, I had little other snippets of experience yeah. and practical lessons and things, and that drew me back, drew me back into coaching. So Then second year, after a summer of coaching um, at a rugby team, I uh, a local like grassroots rugby team, it drew me back into the coaching, and that did. did getting a different sports experience and as opposed to just a PE lesson where people or lunchtime games where people came to disrupt it yeah, they actually yeah. wanted to be there so yeah their, their needs and wants were different yeah um and then this this grammar school obviously you're getting different children you've got better equipment um it just shows how different settings different children have different um things that they're not entitled to but because they come from better background, should they be entitled to better PE? Yeah. No, but yeah. that's what that's what happens, unfortunately, the in schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think every school should be funded the way a private school is funded, not by parents paying, but they should have the same amount of money in the bank
1: same to buy the equipment,
0: yeah. Yeah. to buy the resources, to yeah. pay for the teaching. Yeah. The, the classes are smaller and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and it's a fantastic experience to get in private or grammar schools, as opposed to another school, not, not all schools are bad, I'm not saying that, but um, the resources and facilities are a lot better. Yeah,
1: um, massively, massively, yeah.
0: And then last year, uh, the last year of uni, uh, didn't do that many placements, if I recall, um, because we were focusing on dissertation and a lot of our time is taken up on that. Yeah. Obviously still coaching on, on our own placements and things, uh, some fantastic experiences. The, the best experiences reflecting back on it are the hardest ones yeah. and the ones that you hate when you're in the moment. Yeah. But when you're reflecting then, you think it's really, really tough. But when you're reflecting now, after sitting here now, it's probably the best experiences you can have because okay. the harder ones, you learn a lot more. Yeah. It's not so you actually have to focus and think about what you're going to do, think about everything in that moment, as opposed to a really good session with easy kids and easy facilities. It could just wash by and go over your head and you. Completely forgotten about
1: it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's that idea, isn't it? Of of no experience is a bad experience, uh, which is which is yeah. something I live by. Very very similar to you. So, so just uh, tell us a bit about. Obviously, it's been a good. I think it's been a good nine or ten months since I last saw you, Matt, at graduation. Yeah, it so so tell Tell us about what you've been up to since uh, venturing into the teaching world. So tell us everything what you've been doing. I'm I'm really intrigued to hear.
0: Um, so, I've always wanted to be or uh, going into teaching or some kind of coaching or sport that sort of thing. Um, Originally, I was going to do sports science, but I spoke to a few people, went to open days, and they said that sports science is all science based, nothing to do with sport uh, or very very limited amount to do with sports. So, I found this course, sports coaching, went down that route. Yeah. And um, still knowing that I wanted to do teaching after uni. um, so then, in my last year, I was looking at different courses I could go on, schools direct or sort of PGCEs. But then I took the decision that I wasn't going to apply during my last year. Yeah. I was going to focus on uni, get the best grade at uni that I could get, as opposed to just thinking, oh, I need a two one to, to get into in the somewhere. next stage.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't take a year out, but I did take a year out. Um. So I finished uni June 2019, Um and then so since then, as soon as I finished, I went straight into an internship at a, a private school in Cheshire. Um, it involves It's a sports internship, but in the mornings, involves me getting a classroom experiences in Year 3 and Year 4, um, different classes and different lessons that I get to go in. Um, and then most of the P lessons, I'll be in um, shadowing a teacher, helping out, sometimes running different activities for yeah. the teacher. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, I've got sports clubs during lunch times that I run by myself, as I've done a Year 4 rugby club and um, we've done hockey clubs and um, football clubs that sort of stuff and then after school I'll shadow or run my own club after school different rugby again football hockey netball uh, cricket rounders you, you know in the sport we've, we've done it there yeah um, yeah yeah really awesome experience to be honest then just the year that I needed fantastic school brilliant teachers uh, brilliant support staff the facilities were unreal um I should still be there now but obviously because of the current think, situation uh, yeah uh, that's not happening, so we've been doing some virtual PE, yeah. um, we've been recording lessons, uh, which you can find on my Facebook page uh, or Twitter um, and they've been doing that at home, setting themselves challenges across the week, seeing if they can improve and then every week something's different so one week we did like a virtual Noughts and Crosses game in PE so instead of writing it on a piece of paper, you'd do the actions and you'd run up and down, that sort of thing mm. um, and then, so that Obviously, that's finishing, meant um, to finish July this year, 2020. So, I would have been there just over a year. Mm. Uh, so, that opportunity is actually available come September. If anyone listening is interested, get in touch. My details will be up at the end. Um, unbelievable experience, and I'd love to stay. But, obviously, this September, I'll be doing a schools direct teacher training program, fingers crossed, in a primary school. I've got the place, but, obviously, depending what happens with unis and all the rest of it now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, absolutely. I'll be doing that. Um yeah. So schools direct, if anyone doesn't know. You go into a school, um, you're learning in the school. So you're there five days a week. And then maybe two or three times each term, you'll go to a university that it, the school's linked with. Um, so the university I'm linked with is the Uni of Chester mm-hmm. um, for lectures and different sessions. So you go for a whole day there. Um, you'll get loads of information given to you and that sort of thing. And then over the next term, that's the stuff you'll be focusing on. So one, one week or one term, you might focus on phonics with year... Um, one year two, to uh, another term you'll be in year three and year four and then another term you'll be in year five and year six um, so you get a massive experience across that time um, and then currently I'm just arranging to coach a under-14s grassroots football team um, as soon as this pandemic stops and we're allowed to go out and play football or coach or obviously it's going to look massively different Yeah, uh, massively. but I have to start coaching people how to pass the ball over two metres I think <laughs> um and then um so my career choice based on all of that um would be to be a junior school classroom teacher uh coaching the school teams and clubs and then eventually uh, be head of pe or head of sport in a school um and then eventually as when whenever the time's right um assistant head teacher and head teacher depending how the path goes but that's the route i'm planning at the moment
1: smashing smashing great great ambitions uh I I always really like sitting back in here and ambitions like yours, Matt. Especially with uh, with, like with my own personal ambitions in the coaching world. So, yeah. So it's really good stuff, really. To uh, really great sit sit back and just just listen to you talk there very passionately, my I add. Uh, So like <laughs> so uh, so as as you've obviously heard from uh, from Matt's experience, there started very much out uh, as a coach at uni, began to really transfer into the teaching world. So so that really brings us on to to today's topic. So what we're really going to get into today is is, and it's such a it's a topic that I've been I've been waiting for this debate Matt I've been waiting for it it's it's the idea of coaching versus teaching so we're going to talk about what are the differences and similarities between a coach and a teacher it's it's something that is is often perceived to be the same or very similar but but that's going to be our topic of discussion today so so really excited to get into that. Okay, so we've uh, so uh, as we said just before, the topic today is coaching versus teaching. So what we're going to start with then for our first first topic for discussion Matt, is we're, we're going to give an introduction into the coaching versus teaching debate. So it's something that often gives me a, a sense of frustration in a way, because what I always find when I speak to people that aren't involved in the coaching or the teaching industries is they always say, oh, well, you're studying sports coaching. So that means you're going to be a PE teacher then. And it often frustrates me because I feel like it gives a, in in some regards, a bit of a lack of respect towards both professions. There, yes, there's similarities, and we're going to get into that just in a second. But there's there's so many differences as well. So, I think a good a good way to kind of sort of begin this debate is to firstly just go over both the role of a coach and the role of a teacher. So, explored previously the role of a coach with Joe garside back in episode two, Matt. So, yeah. I guess I guess to start us off, what what is the role of a coach from your perspective, and what makes a good coach?
0: So, it's something that I always think about quite a lot, especially after every session when I'm reflecting um, and when I'm planning each session or, uh, yeah, every session really. Um, I, before when I'm planning, I think, how can I be a good coach now? And um, the one thing that I learned about when, um, when I was at university, the first thing I learned probably in university in first year is just to shut up. Um, I remember our Dartfish session with uh, Dave Older, and yeah. um, we were analysing our own coaching, and every single person was instruction, 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 or praise, 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 and all the rest of which is fantastic, but in limited amounts. It's not always about you talking, because then the, the participants, children, adults, whoever it is you're coaching, can't focus on the activity that you're trying to put forward. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's might be best say talk for ten seconds, give them something to think about. Play for five minutes, let them work it out. Even if it's going wrong and think they're making mistakes, then you can talk about that after. You don't have to talk at them all the time. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing that I thought about as a when I was thinking about what's a good coach. Um, and for me, it always comes back to what the participants want. So you need to know your context. So, for example, oh the Year point. 7, um, in the internship that I'm doing, I also work in the senior school coaching the Year 7 football teams. Um, Jurgen Klopp, fantastic coach, possibly just won the Premier League, depending when this goes up. So uh, uh, that. But he couldn't turn up to my Year 7 team and deliver a session that he would deliver at Liverpool yeah. in exactly the same way, yeah. and that wouldn't make him a good coach. He wouldn't be a good coach in that context. Yeah, yeah. He would have to adapt, which is... Another thing that a good, makes a good coach, you need to be able to adapt to um, different groups, different abilities, different genders, different ages, different settings, because every setting has got different equipment, different facilities, different pitches, that sort of thing, um, and different expectations from the group. So what is the role of a coach? It is to meet the needs of the group that they are coaching, in my eyes, yeah, yeah, that may be participating for fun, it may be wanting to win. Yeah. And something that a few coaches, especially you see in first year at uni, is they think coaching's about them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. Great it's point. completely, you're, you're basically putting your career on the line for other people and mm. it's not going to be anything about you.
2: Yeah.
0: Obviously, you'll feel satisfaction when a good session happens or they, they win or they were successful, that sort of thing. But coaching isn't about you, it's about your participants. If I was a coaching a football point. team, a rugby team or any team, and every single player didn't care about winning but i went in with a mentality to win 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 that those children or participants adults would leave probably because they're not getting what they want from the sessions mm. so quite a good book that i've read since the university is called making the ball roll and um, it's a complete guide for football um for the aspiring soccer coach so it's some it. American. Um, <laughs> it's got the coach-centred approach and the player-centred approach. So the first thing I say will be coach-centred, the second thing will be player-centred. Yeah. So um, coach-centred, it revolves exclusively around the coach, pass here, dribble there, run here. Whereas player-centred, its players are encouraged to make their own decisions. So okay. then they're going to be learning. What a coach should be able to do is coach their team so that if you're not there one Saturday or Sunday morning, that your co- your team can still play how they sh- how they would play normally if you were there, because you shouldn't be shouting on the sideline, dribble there, pass there, that sort of thing. Yeah. They should yeah. be able to play and know exactly what they should do or yeah. where or how, without you actually being there or saying anything.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, another coach centered uh, approach was they used uh, commands, uh, commanding coaching style. They set goals for the players and they focus on team performance, whereas a player centered approach. You would um, use a range of coaching styles, selecting which one's appropriate in any given circumstance. Um, You'd focus on individual development within a team context and you allow players to set their own goals for something that they want to improve on as opposed to what you think they need to improve on. So it may be a joint effort to make a goal, um, but you may sit down with them and say, I've noticed this, what would you like to improve on? What's something that is top of your list? And we can have three goals, for example, two from you, one from me. and another thing is uh, coach-centred produces players that may lack enthusiasm, just like we were talking about before, whereas player-centred uh, produces players that are enthusiastic, show a commitment to ex- excellence, um, and that you're going to get more from your team and more from your players if it's about them instead of just about you. Mm. Um, so in that, in terms of all that, I think a good coach also needs to be a like a good pe- uh, people person
2: yeah.
0: and interact with the participants to understand them. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're the most confident person. It doesn't yeah. mean you've got the loudest voice. Yeah, Because in the lecture theatre, sometimes you look around and think, the ones that are messing about now and uh, are chatting really loudly or anything like that, got the loudest voice. They're probably not the best coaches. Yeah, great It's point. the people yeah. that you could put an arm around after a game and yeah. say, well played today. We'll have a chat on Tuesday when you got we've we'll got a session or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um and it's not the loudest voice. It's not that doesn't mean you're a good people person. It's about what you say, when you say, or even what you don't say. So, back to that silence that we spoke about before. Mm. Um, something else that, that I think uh, makes a good coach is you've got to reflect in and on actions. So that's a theory that we looked at um, at uni.
1: We missed Ian Reflecting Calvin. in
0: action. Yeah. Yeah, Ian Calver again. a um, top Reflecting look. in action. Um, so you're in the session and what could you change now yeah. or what's not going well that you can change to make it better yeah. um, or improve or even just think next time I'm not going to do that or reflecting on actions. So five minutes, 10 minutes, three weeks, however long after the session, you're reflecting based on what's happened already and not what could happen. Um, and I think you need to have the nerve to change. So that's mm-hmm. something that I struggled with in the first year especially when lecturers and other staff came to watch my sessions, I wouldn't want to change from the session plan. Yeah. However wrong yeah, yeah, it was going, yeah, yeah. I would stick, stick to that session plans. plan yeah. because yeah. I thought yeah. I'd look like an idiot if I changed my session. Yeah. When actually, if you change your session plan and say to them, this happened and I saw that happen and this was about to happen, so I changed and now we've had 15 minutes of good stuff. Mm. So is there any point in finishing a session? If if your session's one hour long, you've done a Ten-minute activity so far, everything's gone wrong. Is there any point carrying on? If then the next fifty minutes are going to be dreadful, and you're going to waste all that time. Yeah. And in fact, you instead of progressing the learning, you're going to regress it and bring them back to a stage where they were even before the session even started. So they're actually getting worse in your time instead of better. Mm -hmm. And every grass every grass coach um, knows time's limited. Yeah, massively,
1: Um, massively.
0: One session a week, most clubs have plus the game, isn't enough to say everything and do everything that you want to do in a session. Yeah. So if you're then going to waste that one hour that you have with them, is is that is that going to be beneficial? But that's not saying you've got to have like a plan A session plan that's going you're going to do if it works. If it doesn't work, you're going to plan B. Mm. Have different ideas, even if you are coaching football or any sport. Could you just put them into a game with a few constraints? So, if you were doing a passing activity and the passing, the the activity wasn't working, put them in a game and say, if you, however many passes you make leading up to a goal, that's how many points you'll score for that goal. Mm. So, if you make thirty passes, you're winning thirty 0 if yeah. you've scored that goal. Yeah. So that's then going to improve their passing in a game situation, which they mm. can then link back to a Saturday or Sunday.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's not going to waste the whole fifty minute session that. You could waste if be continued with the passing that's not working. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's just a few things there that I think makes a good coach. Yeah. Um, Based on my experience and my opinion. Obviously, yeah. people may disagree.
1: Yeah, no, if I you mean, do, some. Don't tell me. So, <laughs> some, uh, yes, yeah, so, some really great points there, Matt. Uh, you know, if, if anyone's listened to episode two, and I'd, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it, it's a re- really good listen with Joe Galside. But we, we mention a bit about. Some of the perceptions of coaching, and and I think that's a great point out of uh, out of that book. Make the ball roll. It's a lot of the approaches that sorry, a lot of the approaches that you'll tend to see in grassroots football is very coach centered, and the problem is, in, yeah. and Matt, I've been there myself. You get that into it that you you, you know your yeah. mind starts to wonder. Everything's about winning. You know you screaming yeah. at kids. You know I can remember at sixth form there were another another lad who were coaching the team we come up against each other and throughout that week we're at each other's throats and you come away from that and you think coaching 10 year olds not coaching Wednesday yeah, in United yeah. and, and it's it's a great point you make about everything is everything should be played centre it's all about your players it, in many ways it's a bit of a selfless role you're not there for yeah. you you're there to to step in and and develop develop players, but also develop people. Now I'm not going to go too much into that because that's that's next week next week's episode with Kevin Kevin yeah. Sykes. Uh, but but yes, some really some really good points you made there. So I know obviously a lot of stuff there. I'm as you've seen sat here nodding with you with that. I know I know very well something I don't really know at all. I mean, uh I, I think I've done about two sessions as a PE teacher when I was in sixth form. So. So tell us, yeah. tell us all about what the role of a teacher is then and, and tell us what makes a good teacher.
0: So, in my opinion, um, teaching should be very similar to a coach. Um, so you should have the adaptability. It should be player or child-centred. Um, um, you should have the nerve to change something in a lesson. Um, you should have adaptions and it should all be about the child. Yeah. Um, well, I was doing a bit of research um, and I found a coaching continuum, which is about teaching and coaching. So on one end, um, you've got teaching, which is classed as directive, um, and coaching on the other end is non-directive. Um, so the teachers are being directive in this in this theory, are providing you new, new information and teaching at you. Whereas a coach is non-directive. So they're trying to pull things from you. So based yeah. on your practice yeah. structure, yeah. your coaching behaviors, um, your curriculum, how are you going to pull that from them? Because you know that they know how to do it, but you just need to set that structure up correctly and say the right things for them to do it. Yeah. Whereas the, the their continuum, a teacher is making you learn something new. So they're talking at you quite a lot. And they're sort of telling you what to do. They're yeah. yeah, yeah. going to give you a task and they're going to help you through it. Um. So the, so the teacher directs the conversation, knows the answers and passes that on to the, the learner. Um, in my opinion, that's not how I see what a teacher is. So I think the, the teacher and coach is a name on top of a job. It's a job title, it's a job description. Um, but a lot of teachers act like coaches in this, from this theory. So the coach helps the learner work out solutions and brings that knowledge out of them. So the, the coaches are like helping them and sort of not telling them the answers, but setting them up to give the answers correctly.
2: Yeah.
0: From yeah. my experience and what I've seen yeah. in classrooms so far, um, and a few different events and CPD events I've done, that's what teaching is as well. What mm. um, lots of theories talk about is teaching is, I'm teaching you, you listen to me, um, don't listen to me and then you won't know the information whereas coach the theory talks about coaching they know the information already you just need to help 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 get it out of them yeah um from my personal experience my personal opinion um they are very very similar um and coaching and teaching have probably the same characteristics or the same things that should they should do if they were going to make them good so you've got to plan and prepare Um, and again planning and preparing doesn't always mean a4 document after A4 document of writing up. It can just be, think beforehand, think the week before what you're going to do, j- jot it on a um, on a sticky note, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, you've got to plan and prepare, you've got to reflect, um, adapt, make sure it's child-centred, but then you look at teaching in this current format. Is teaching child-centred when the only thing that we assess is grades and numbers? Is right. that child-centred or is every child just just the number and just an assessment. It's all about assessments. And for what um, for the University of Chester next year, we've just had to type up something about what's the national curriculum, what the purpose is, yeah. um, and what we think the good things are, the bad things are, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah.
0: And it says by the end of year two, you should have everyone should have this, tick, 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 tick. But you've got special educational needs. You've got people that just won't learn as fast, n- not without any special educational needs or extra help they need, they just won't learn as fast as other people. They'll develop oh, yeah. at different stages. Yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the relative age effect yeah. that we learn about in first year.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah. the relative age effect isn't about size and maturity. It's about like mental growth and well-being growth and yeah. how yeah. well you can learn, yeah. how quickly you pick something up. Yeah. Some people will pick something up within five minutes of you of being told it, but other people might take them five lessons. But if the teacher's not going to give them those five lessons because they're grade bound by everything else that all these Ofsted assessments and these other assessments you've got to meet and the criterias, that's not going to help that child so then they're going to fall down. So I, in my personal opinion it should all be child-centered. Mm. If, if that child only meets the year two target in the middle of year three, so be it that he she has still met that target and they can continue progressing through. Mm. If the environment is set correctly, um, and the the teacher uses the right characteristics, and um, the resources are there for them to use. The facilities are there, the support, teaching assistants, and the right stuffs coming down from the head teacher. Then, to be honest, everything should be uh, rosy.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, some some great points you make again. I think when you mention their non-directive versus directive, I think that's really interesting. When I was in first year, I, I had a job in, at a school in Wakefield where I would go in and deliver their PE lessons. And yeah. that was the first, other than a brief sort of two lessons I'd done in sixth form, that was the first time I'd ever really gone into a school. And when I, when, I, when I used to coach in my early days, I would be non-directed. I'd be trying to pull information, not really yeah. give too much. But when I went into that school, I felt like I had to tell them everything because that's my experience of what I received. As a kid at school yeah. from from teachers. And, I mean, something I'd like to bring up, Matt, If I don't know if you remember from last year, just just because I'm doing it at the minute in one of my modules, the idea of, of dualism and, and and relativism. So I think schools, and whether this is right or wrong is not really for me to, to sort of say, and I'd be interested in your opinion, but I think schools are very much, we're going to teach you this, you're going to reproduce that in your exam, and you don't actually learn that's what a concept of learning might be perceived to be but all you're doing is learning something in your short-term memory and reproducing it now the same could be said for coaching especially you know i think about my experience in grassroots it was probably the same so is that what in just in your opinion is that something that's within schools the the idea of dualism is that something that's changing now or because i think that's a really interesting sort of topic for debate
0: i think every school is different um and every teacher's different. So if you're gonna go into a teaching career, you need to find that school that's right for you. Mm. A lot of people leave the career because they've not found that school, but they don't they think every school's gonna be the same. Yeah. Um, across the three years at uni, as well as doing placement sessions, I went into some schools just to sit in lessons and experience different environments and that sort of thing. Some schools would be really, really directive and you'd basically write the write everything that you On need. Yeah. Um that they'd sit there and they'd hammer you with 30 multiplication questions if you're in primary school, for example. Um, whereas other schools, you'd go through the process and it's not about the right answer or the wrong answer. It's about the process of learning. Mm. And say you're doing multiplication, it's about getting the process right. Yeah. So you've done a, you've done, if you do one question in the lesson and you get it wrong at the start, you do the same. If you did the same question again and then got it right, but understood the process, that's better than doing thirty questions, getting Just fifteen getting wrong, running. fifteen right, because yeah. you're not really sure where yeah. you're going right or yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think every school is different. Um, every situation's different. It's the same with coaching, really. Um, it depends who else is working there. It mm. depends what comes from the top.
2: Yeah. Um, so you.
0: what are they? What are they expecting from the school? Yeah. Um, are they going to be happy if if the year twos don't meet the targets by the time they end year two? Yeah. Most places probably not, but some places will be really happy for that because then they can progress later on. Mm. Um, But again, every situation is going to be different. Uh, When you get coaching experience, um, you can't say, oh, I've coached a football team before, so I know everything. Walk in there with with a rucksack and yeah, I know what I'm doing, just mind out my way. Um, You've got to understand that um, everything is going to be different and you've got to listen to the people that have been there before. And that's why I said before about networking. Yeah. Speak to coaches, speak to parents, yeah. understand your setting. Yeah. Um, speak to the coach that's left. Why did he leave? Um, what What good things did he find? Or what's the one tip that he'd give me if I wanted to stay for quite a while? Mm. That sort of thing. Mm. Mm. Um, it's just the same with teaching. It's about finding you, your right environment and making sure you're happy. Um, just because you've got that philosophy, whether it be for teaching or coaching, you need to find the situation that's maybe not. No one's going to have exactly the same philosophy as you, but you need to find somewhere that you don't have to adapt too much. Mm. Some settings you're going to have to adapt. Some placements um, were all about winning. That I've been on mm. um, coaching a football team in yeah. at university. They were yeah. all about winning. Yeah. Um. Had, so I had to win. and yeah. um, But then another school. It was their first year playing football. Some of the some of the children never seen a football before. Really deprived school. Um. We we didn't. Even the, world, the guy told us at the start, don't coach them passing, don't coach them shooting, don't do anything like that. Get a ball, play with them, do different fun games using a football. So it might be throwing and catching. It might be tag, but with a football, but just get them involved in that environment and get them active. So it's all about knowing your context and knowing what you want to do as well, but make sure it fits in with the context. Don't be different. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that great. Yeah. Your question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does um... So I mean I, I could divulge into that a bit more but I think that will probably be a topic for another day Matt so yeah let, let's move on to let's move on to the similarities and the differences between coaching and teaching then again something I think is fascinating really it, it's every you know like I said from the outside everything is perceived to be very similar and in many respects yeah. it is you know you think about in its basic form, of coaching in its basic form of teaching, it is planning, it is delivering or yeah. doing, and it is reviewing. In you know, yeah. so from that aspect, yeah, you could say that they're, they're similar. So, I guess starting with the similarities, as you've kind of divulged into both, both roles really. What what are the similarities between the two?
0: So it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, spoke to and seen a lot of teachers. Um, spoke to and seen a lot of different coaches. Um, been involved with quite a lot of different CPD events, uh, so professional development. Um, the similarities are you're working with children. If if you're a grassroots coach or a, a youth coach, um, you're trying to improve the child. And you're trying to meet their needs. Yeah. Possibly a difference as well because the needs are different. Sometimes the child doesn't want to learn about maths, but they have to learn about maths.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good um, Whereas coaching, they sort of decide what they want to do based on what context it is. Mm. Um, Because a a child's not going to come to a football club that doesn't care about winning if they want to win. Mm. Um, They won't stick there for very long. Um, So that's probably a difference. But then you're working with children, you've got to interact with parents, Uh, you've got to interact with your colleagues uh, if your setting's big enough in a coaching setting. Um, You've got to feedback, feedback, and a nice Steve McEwen saying is feed forward. So always providing information and a bit of feedback so what they can then improve on um, in the future. So that's something similar. You're going to do that in teaching. You're going to do that in coaching. Mm. Um, characteristics of the person are pretty similar, which is why a lot of people are teachers and coaches like myself yeah. or aiming to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and it's why, it's why there is such a big confusion about the topic. Um, have you got do, do you coach when you're in a PE lesson yes I think so um, you sort of you sort of take your PE hat your teacher hat off and then put your PE hat on yeah, yeah. And then at the end of that half an hour or hour um, you change hats yeah but don't think there's too many other similarities to be honest
1: I think the one I might I'm not sure if it's a similarity or a difference Matt so I'm just going to pose it to you but as you know very well at Beckett, we're taught a sort of, we call it the who, what, how model. So, who are we coaching? So, age group, context, age, and stage. What are we coaching? Yeah. So, the sport, the rules, uh, sort of beginning to break that sport down in its simplest form. And then, how are we coaching the, the, the pedagogical process? So, throughout this, you've mentioned a lot about who. So, you mentioned context and age and stage. Now, from a teaching point of view, is what is that there as well? I mean, I'm just guessing as someone that's not a teacher, I'm guessing the what is more the subject that you're teaching. Yeah. But is the what there and what about, the, you know, the pedagogical side as well? Because when I've spoke to a lot of teachers that I know, it seems like they've explored a lot of similar pedagogy to what to what we would have explored on the undergraduate degree. So is there a couple of similarities there?
0: Yeah, massive. So you sort of use the same model. and um, some people won't because they've never done the who, what, and how. But for me, it's really easy. Mm. Yeah, you, you need to focus on who you're coaching or who you're teaching. Yeah, what is obviously the what is actually different because you're coaching football or you're teaching maths. Obviously, that's different, but you still focus on what you're teaching. Mm. Um, and something that's quite quite good is when you when you're teaching the what. Um, the more links you can make between the different whats that you teach, so yeah. the maths, the history, the English, the geography, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the PE, yeah. how many um, uh, cross-curricular links you can make between that um, is quite interesting. And then the how you do look at you do look at teaching pedagogies quite a lot. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: obviously, the random blocked and uh, the blocks varied and uh, random, random practice, practice yeah. that we've done in coaching pedagogy. You could just do that in, a, in maths with multiplication. Yeah. So your first one blocked, you're looking at two di- two digits times two digits. Mm. And then varied, it's a bit of two digits V1 uh, times one and two digits V2 and two V3. And then random, you could just have anything. So obviously, it's going to be more blocked as you get in like the younger years. So they're trying to repeat that process and get that process in the head. Mm. But then as they get older, like year five, year six, and obviously high school, the more varied so they can remember that process and as opposed to just seeing it on the board and seeing the example they're remembering it in their head but that's just the same as coaching football your your passes your crosses your shooting everything your tactics Um, so the who what and how is quite big in terms of my teaching and it's something that I'll definitely use going forward Um, I've not had any lectures yet from Union Chester, so I'm not sure if that's a model they'll use but yeah. it's exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, massive similarity yeah, yeah. between the two careers. Yeah. Just uh,
1: to uh sorry sorry Matt just to just to uh interject there. We we're, we're very much taught from a coaching perspective that the who what how each one is as important as the other. I I just just as I was sat there listening to your chat there I was I was wondering is as a teacher is it more who and how? Who are you coach so who are you teaching how are you teaching is the what as important as it is maybe from a coaching perspective
0: um they're all massively important um but with a spiral curriculum that most schools use from say year one all the way up to year six yeah you're gonna you're gonna do addition you're gonna do subtraction every single year yeah so if they don't get it that year does it matter in my opinion, no. Yeah. If there's any head teachers listening that aren't going to offer me a job because of that quote, then <laughs> cut it out. Um, <laughs> but um, to be honest, if, if the who, what or how, what I, in my opinion, what I would say is the most important um, would be the how. Because if a child gets a boring how and an unengaging how and a how that's not adaptable to them yeah. and a okay. how that they don't understand. Yeah next year when they get a different teacher that that maths that they didn't have a very good how the previous year yeah they're going to think i'm not doing maths i hate maths yeah. i'm just going to yeah. sit yeah. on my pen on the desk i'm yeah. not going to do any maths yeah but that's yeah. because the how wasn't very good whereas if you've got an engaging teacher someone that's passionate about the subject yeah. even yeah. if they don't care about it put on a facade yeah yeah and great point yeah. Ma- yeah make them engaged and the more engaged they are in their learning the more engaged they'll be every other year, and the more they'll want to take that subject forward. Mm-hmm. I had really engaging PE teachers from primary school, secondary school, um, and college, which is why I've gone down this career. Mm-hmm. If I had a PE teacher that was awful, I probably wouldn't be sat here now as a coach and prospective teacher. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Great, great points, Matt. Great points. So let's move on to the differences then, and again. You know, I'm 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 really intrigued to hear your thoughts on, uh, as again you've you've been in both roles. What what are the main differences to you between a teacher and a coach?
0: Um, the in terms of the roles, obviously what you what you're actually doing. So obviously one of them sport based, and one of them could be sport based in a classroom, and mm. uh, PE lessons, or could be any subject based. And mm. um, so teachers got to have a lot more of the what. Um, but it's that personal, it's not, it's not that personal um, philosophy about maths or history yeah. or anything like that. It's more of yeah. a, I've yeah. got to do it, so it's on my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like teachers are held in a higher regard than coaches. Um, obviously not your professional coaches, so Jürgen Klopp's and Mourinho's um, and Pep Guardiola's and all that, because yeah. they're... they're if Jurgen Klopp walked in front of me, I bow down and shake his hand. Yeah, but in terms of like grassroots coaches or youth sport coaches, they're not. They're, they're much below a teacher. Yeah. A teacher's highly highly respected, I think, in their career. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another difference is probably the interactions you have with parents. Yeah. Um. You obviously, you still have interactions, but in youth sport some some parents won't ever get involved and you'll never see the parents you'll never know them you'll never hear from them others will get too highly involved whereas parents at school yeah you, you drop them off you pick them up you come to parents evening you can contact me email me phone me mm. but there's, there's none of that shouting from the, cla- the classroom window saying yeah, come yeah. on do your maths come on yeah, yeah. Yeah, um well yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's this you need to do that you yeah. need to do it this way yeah. there's none of that obviously you get it from homework
2: yeah
0: um and they, some parents like get involved, like getting involved in homework quite a lot, yeah. um, and doing it for them so their child looks better. But when it comes to assessments, then you can see right through it. Yeah. Um. So when I become a teacher, it's if a child tries the homework at home, yeah, doesn't understand it, gets stuck, um, absolutely fine. Yeah. Come in the next day, and we'll have a chat about it at break time. Yeah. There's no point the parents doing it just so they can learn because yeah. their child's never going to learn. Yeah. But then the biggest probably difference for me um, is, say, the um, or sort of difference slash similarity. Some teachers will coach. So, some teachers will coach in a classroom based yeah. on the uh, coaching continuum before uh, yeah. that they will try and pull this information out of you yeah. as opposed to this is that, this is that, that that's that, and throw in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas some coaches will teach. So they won't let you. Um, they won't let you think about everything. Yeah. So the coaches will pass here, pass there, do this. Um, this is that. This is that. This is that. And always, always talk and never allow for that silence, yeah. which is probably the most important coaching behaviour, in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
0: Allowing yeah. the children to get involved. Yeah. Um, the jobs are very similar, and the overarching aim is always to be the best for the child. Yeah. But. I don't I think you're getting, you've got two people here, coach and teacher is what they're called. Mm. But I think they do the same job just in different contexts.
2: Mm.
0: The yeah. terminology is different and their their job title sort of floats between both. So if you had two people here, sometimes the coach will be the coach and the teacher will be the teacher, but other times the teacher will coach and the coach will teach because of how they're being directive or yeah. how they're being yeah. non directive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, based on the research I've done recently um, and the experiences I've gained, it's only a job title. Mm. So I'm still I'm still a teacher on the football field, but I'm also a coach. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and I'm still a coach in the classroom because yeah. I I want to be a coach in the classroom. I yeah. I don't want to tell them everything. Yeah, I'd rather them learn, understand yeah. it, and then they'll be able to recall it when they're older. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: when they need it. Yeah. So I think they are massively similar, and sort of the same person if that makes sense mm. but the the job type ti- the job title is it should be the same thing in my opinion yeah it, it could be like i don't know child worker
2: yeah yeah
0: and then you, you're a coach and a teacher or that sort of thing yeah. although you're teaching different things because a teacher in primary school is called a teacher but a teacher in secondary school is called a teacher yeah they're, they're teaching different things so yeah. it's the same with oh, yeah, a coach
1: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely i mean the the only thing I was just just thinking about there is you you mentioned philosophies, now yeah. Again, it, it obviously as a coach your philosophy is and you mentioned before greatly impacted by where you're working. So, give you an example, I was working for a company just towards the end of last year, wasn't the same philosophy as mine, so I had to change my how I was going about my coaching. But if we yeah. just link that back to teaching, I often think as a teacher, and maybe. Let's say you're a maths teacher and you're, you've are you got year five maths. You've got to get them, all those pupils, getting a certain thing done by the end of that year. So in a way, you're kind of creating performers because they've got to perform in those, let's say year six, got performing those sats to get a certain grade to get into a different school. Whereas if you were a coach with the same age group year six, you might be... Your, your philosophy might be, actually, I don't need them to perform that skill yet. My philosophy is all about development. Now, again, that's not everyone. That, that That's mine personally. That might not be for some other coaches yeah. out there. But that's something I think could be a difference. So I don't know if there's any thoughts you have on that, Mike, just to add on that point.
0: I think coaches have their own philosophy. And if you're the head coach or the only coach, um, you've got to have a philosophy. Mm. Um, otherwise, what are you doing? and um, it doesn't mean you've got a 30-page document on your computer that says, uh, my philosophy. Yeah. Um, it just means that you've thought about it, whether it be for five minutes or five days or mm. whatever it is. Mm. You've thought about how you're going to coach, what you're going to coach, what's what's your opinion on things in the coaching world. Um, you've done a bit of reading. You understand different things. Um, you've listened to different podcasts, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you get to use your own philosophy if that context is right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if my philosophy is about um, success and always really getting success to increase confidence and that sort of stuff but I went into a place where nobody wanted to win mm. would I use my philosophy? Probably not that's not my philosophy, mine's about player development and player centred and all that sort of stuff mm. um, but then back to teaching, you will have your own philosophy and opinions on everything mm. every teacher does, they all love a gossip in the staff room yeah. Um but will you get to use your philosophy as a teacher sometimes yes if you go into a school that's the same as your opinion like the, the same philosophy as you then yeah really you'll be able to use it but a lot of the stuff from teaching comes down from the head teachers or the governors and how yeah, they want the school yeah. to be run. Yeah, yeah. uh, what thing what targets do they want you to meet what do they want you to do in the first three months of your job your next six months of your job
2: yeah
0: um so you will still have an opinion on everything less likely to be used unless you find yourself lucky and get yourself in a school um, that has the similar philosophy and yeah. view on
1: things. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean in many respects it's it, it's the same as a coach like you say you know you're very dependent on who's above you who's setting the culture and what their philosophy is and that really reflects you know, for the organisation you're working for so yeah some, some really great yeah. points onto segment 3 that's smashing that really good stuff right so you've put here how do you intend okay so uh so so really enjoyable topic uh, sorry discussion so far into this uh this coaching versus teaching debate so i guess onto our onto our last topic for discussion today then matt so let's get on to now coaching and teaching in the real world so starting with with your experiences so what you've learned from from both your coaching experience and your teaching experience for yourself how do you intend to to use all that thinking you've got in the future for for your teaching role but maybe also as well for any coaching roles that you that you might hold
0: um so whether a teacher or a coach um for me personally it's about creating an environment where the participants can learn so in it in a Primary school environment is where the children can learn.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, in a coaching environment for wherever whatever age you're coaching. Yeah. Uh, where they can learn and develop. Yeah. Um, my aim is to make all lessons or sessions engaging. Yeah. Um, and that, if you have the one session that's not engaging, that could be the one where the child gets disengaged for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So you've got to always try and be on it, and that's mm-hmm. the same for sessions in coaching. Yeah. Um, always making sessions and lessons challenging and yeah. um, That's that helps with the engagement. If a child's challenged to the right point, um, where they're challenged, but then get to see some success, they'll be engaged in your next sessions and that sort of stuff. Um, but if they're too challenged and they don't feel any success, then a lesson or session, um are they going to like be put off by the activity? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then if they don't, if they don't have enough challenge in any lesson or session. What's going to happen to them then? Are they are they just oh yeah it's easy it's done it's yeah. easy I don't yeah, need yeah. to focus I can chat and disrupt yeah um make always make the participants and pupils think and engage with the learning and um, so again don't be a, so sort of don't be a teacher from the coaching continuum yeah. don't be directive don't always tell them everything don't talk to them for fifteen minutes all the time at the start of a lesson have tasks and different learning activities that they can engage in. Yeah. That's the same with coaching. So have a warm-up that they can engage in. Make yeah. the captain lead it. Um, or have a activity or set them a challenge when they, as soon as they get there. Yeah. Can you cross from this side of the field to that side of the field with, I don't know, with one foot touching the floor or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then try never to just talk at children. So don't be directive. They should be understanding. So for them to understand, whether it be on the coaching field or in a, in a lesson, they need to be engaging with you. They need to be giving back and asking questions, answering questions yeah, yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that teaching is changing a lot at the minute to shift towards the coach mentality of trying to get information from you as opposed to me giving you it and you just recall it when I needed to. Um, it isn't always about the right answer. It's more about the process that we spoke about before, yeah, and to get yeah, to the right absolutely. answer, yeah. that's the same on a on a football field or yeah. whatever um, context you're in. Yeah. Um. So then, this is a analogy that I've heard on a CPD event that I've done this week. So it's if you drive to work, you go to you go from A to B, but every single day you don't think about that because it's so easy. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: If you get to the centre, if you're driving and halfway there there's an accident in the road, you've then got to do something else. Mm. So instead of just always doing the same process, A to B, whether that be teaching, whether that be in a lesson, the children using the same multiplication process mm. or on a football field, yeah. using the same process to get out of a tight corner yeah, yeah. or the same process for everything, they're just going to, That's good. they're not even going to think about it. So they're not going to be engaged. They're not going to be learning anything. Just like when you're driving to work, so if you pick four different routes, you could go to work. You're always thinking about that different route. Yeah. So you might go A B C to get to work, whereas normally you just go A B straight there done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but if you've if you come across a challenge and you've only got that A B that straight road, that's going to be so difficult for you to then overcome that challenge and use a different process to then work it out for yourself so that's where on the sideline of any sport that's where you hear the coaches shouting on different processes different situations different ways to get out of a a problem yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they should have experienced that problem in a in a match they should experience that problem in a classroom yeah um so that's quite an interesting analogy that i've heard recently yeah
1: i think i think the key point now is we often slip don't we as you know, forget about coaches or teachers. Just, just as, just as people, we slip into routines and, and and just repeat what we do all the time. And, and I think that's that, that's a really, a really good point you make about. You know, we've got to be adaptable. We've got to always consider, and again, just from a coaching aspect, as that's where I'm coming from. Who are you coaching? Are you meeting their needs? Are you meeting their wants? And that's not going to be the same every single time for the same person. It's not going to be the same for every group. Not going to be the same for every individual, so I think, I think that's really important to consider and a really good point for, for anyone listening involved in this. So, so if we just if we just move on then, which I think is, I mean, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. So, what what are your thoughts on every primary school having a PE specialist? And it, and it's funny, Matt, because I was in my role as a masters intern, I was in a school this year i visited loads that haven't had one, and I've, I've visited one school that did have one. And, you know, in my opinion, the, the curriculum was so much better, if that's the right word. There was yeah. so much thought put into that because there was a specialist there. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: So, just linking back to that last point of your experiences. um, So, the school I'm in at the minute with the internship, the only thing... A lot of the children see me as is the sports intern yeah so as opposed to a teacher like the other two there's two there's a head of boys games and head of girls games so they're mainly PE teachers as well but they have their own class mm. every time a child sees me around the school they link me to PE and they're engaged in PE mm. straight away yeah whereas if they just see another teacher they're just engaged in learning they're getting yeah, thinking, yeah. thinking about something else yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's definitely something I agree on you definitely in my opinion definitely uh, definitely need a PE specialist Mm. um, in every single primary school and to be honest I don't understand why we don't already Um, (laughs) it's it's a bit crazy that some schools are happy to pay sports coaches to come in and deliver the odd session but they're not happy to pay for a PE specialist and I understand that you're gonna have, it's a massive cost, but could you have them as a teaching assistant
2: yeah.
0: as well when they're, when they're not else. teaching PE? So in yeah. the mornings they're a teaching assistant for year three or four, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. in the afternoons they do all the PE, they do the extracurricular.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: having a person who's passionate about PE to deliver to primary age children can surely only be a good thing. It'll increase engagement, yeah. it'll increase participation, because everyone remembers that lesson where they were out doing PE, um, or their PE lesson was cancelled because of the weather. Because the teacher wasn't passionate about it, um, still didn't think it was important. Mm. You can, if the weather is that bad, you could do a PE lesson inside your classroom. Yeah, yeah. The kids yeah. could be active for thirty minutes. Yeah. Don't have to get changed. Just use your classroom, as a bit of space. Yeah, you can do anything in any space, any any given space. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's where you need a passionate teacher.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it'll increase participation, and it all starts at the beginning. Yeah. So Olympic success, football success, rugby success, netball
2: success—yeah—all
0: success success in professional sport will start at the beginning of primary school. You're you're missing out on these Olympic stars because they're not being engaged in PE early enough.
2: Yeah.
0: So they're—I'm not saying they're already going to be stars, but if they're engaged, who knows? It could we could have the next Steven Gerrard, for example, and you just don't know. know. You just don't know it. Yeah.
1: Matt, Matt. Uh, I mean, just yeah. just, just interrupt there. Sorry. Some, some a great point. I mean, when I when I was at school, so from the age of seven to twelve, I was I I swam swam for a club called Sheffield City. So I was very much in that early specialization, swimming seven times a week. Now at our school, what happened with PE as as you say, at primary school, the PE uh, sorry, the the class teacher would just do it, and for my memory. It was just just doing a game. It would be just doing a game of cricket, just doing a a game of football, doing a a game of handball. Now, and and another debate for another day, play versus practice. But because it was never, there wasn't the specialist knowledge to, for example, I didn't really have any skills developed, so no one was making it easier for me with constraints or harder for some of the strivers. That really affected my participation. And, you know, I, I've, I think about back to my my sort of sporting career. I swam, yeah. I got into surfing because I was a swimmer and I got into football because my family's football mad. That's free sports. And I've always yeah. think back, if I had a specialist teacher from a peer background that, and again, not knocking the teachers there, but if, from again, some of the stuff I've seen this year, if you've got a specialist that has that knowledge and you think about a degree, you do become an expert in the area you're coming from that background, you can really impact these 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 children's lives. And like you say, yeah. get that next Stephen Gerard. We wonder why we're not creating players. I know yeah. we are starting to now, but but they, it's because we're not doing it at the early they do stage. It for, um...
0: Sorry, someone.
1: Good, no go on, I was finished. They,
0: they do it for um, <laughs> they do it for music. They do it for art. They do yeah. it for drama. Some yeah. schools. So yeah. even if you're not going to pay a specialist. Could you timetable it better? Yeah. So if I was a if I was a year six teacher, for example, I'd be happy to do the PE for every other school, every other class, even if it's just once one lesson a week. Yeah. Then the teacher whose class I'm taking, yeah, she can come in t- or she or he could come and teach uh, teach my class for that hour, and then out then we'll swap again. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much thinking, and I don't want to be a bit of a party people, but surely something better could happen. Yeah. But then you need you need somebody. Um, at the top, who understands the importance of PE and is passionate themselves. Because if they're not passionate, it's not going to come down. Yeah. Like the internship that yeah. I'm on at the minute, you've got head of boys' girl, uh, head of head of boys' games, head of girls' games, both really passionate about sport. Mm. Um, and it re- it shows with the standard of sport that's played at the school. Yeah. It's yeah. mass. It's Massive, unbelievable yeah. compared yeah. to some of the other schools I've seen.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and you know, I mean, this is. This is thirteen years ago for you know what I'm talking from my experience, but there was never any. You you could tell there wasn't any engagement from teachers doing it. So I think, like you said, you get someone that's passionate. As a kid, you're seeing a, someone's come in that's passionate. That makes you raring to go. And yeah, yeah, I I I I, I agree with you massively. I think it's it's so important that schools. You know, we can't knock all schools cause schools are doing some really great stuff and I'm sure there's many schools out there across the yeah, country. Definitely. But yeah. I, I think it's I think it's important that really within this next five years that maybe that's something that schools begin to look at. And it's great to, you know, yeah the Grange School, your placement. Having that structure in place. And I'm sure from you know, you think about sports, it's just so important for children, just you know, from a mental perspective and I mean, again, can't go too much because I've had this conversation with Kieran Sykes, but life skills teaches you so much. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, it's, I think it's so important. So, as I'm drowning on a bit, just to, uh, just to finish us off, Matt, tell us then, tell us some top tips for coaches and for teachers going forward.
0: Um, so, if you're at uni, any stage of uni, so coaching or teaching, engage, work with lecturers and staff. The more you engage, the more they're going to put into you. Um, they will lecture you and they will sit in your seminars and practicals, and that's what—that's where people think it stops. But especially with Leeds Beckett, any time I wanted, I could go in and see any lecturer, whether it was my personal tutor or someone that's just taught me or someone that's not taught me for two years. Yeah. I could pop in, knock on their office or email them and have say, coffee with yeah. can, I just, can we have a half an hour chat? Yeah, yeah. We, we yeah. might plan a half an hour chat about, I don't know what it could be about anything, but not talk about that. One bit, I could pop I could pop in to see Ian and we'd talk about rugby league for half an hour. I'd tell him that Warrington Moore's are better than Leeds Rhinos and then I'd be off on my day. But you, you've got to engage with them and they'll help you out a lot more. Um, those conversations that you have, they've got massive experience in these areas. They understand the topics. They know the papers to point you towards. Um, and that's only going to improve your coaching or teaching, yeah. whatever scenario you're in. yeah. Um, yeah. Then a couple of other top tips, get involved in CPD. So CPD is uh, continued professional development. Um, even if the title of the CPD doesn't grab you, just try it. So you may not be able to take anything specific from the session, um, but it may get you thinking about something else. Mm. So the Uni of Chester have put loads of CPD um, these last uh, six weeks, and it's been fantastic. It's kept me really busy. Um, I did one about teaching Islam. I've done one about planning a curriculum for history. something that I wouldn't really think, oh, it's suitable for me or I need to know or um, something that grabs me and that I want to do. But I've learned so much from every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Four or five A4 pages of notes, not even just linked to that subject, but linked to planning a curriculum, linked to how you can say different things and teaching pedagogies and all the rest of it. And they are all free. Um, Well, most CPD is free and fantastic opportunities out there, especially during lockdown. Keep yourself busy, learn a bit. Um, another top tip, net, network with people, what we spoke about before um, get in touch with anyone, um, anyone's willing to help I only got on Twitter in uh, March during lockdown and the amount of teaching teachers on Twitter that are willing to help you, um, yeah. ask you questions or ask them questions, uh, get answers, make discussions look at different important threads um, and then a few coaching tips, make it engaging Always be child-centered, reflect on everything you do, yeah. challenge, but not just challenge participants, challenge yourself, um, try and do everything for the child, um, make it fun for yourself as well, don't make yeah. it a job, because yeah. coaching isn't a job, and yeah. as soon as it becomes a job That's um, in a your job, head, that then yeah. it's going to get boring, yeah. but you're not going to enjoy it. Um, and it's just going to be one of those things that you've just got to turn up to clock in, clock out, and then you're done. But make yeah. it something, make it, make it your life. Yeah, 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 Ma- yeah Make it something point. that you yeah. want to think about. Make it something you want to do more for. Yeah. Um, and then something to think about, which you can either answer now, or or you can answer Sam or any PE teachers listening, <laughs> or um, anyone, any sports coaches. Um, something that came from a CPD this week. Are your sessions PE, so physical education, or are they PA, physical activity? So are you teaching participants for lifelong participation, yeah. which is physical education, and so you're educating them, yeah. or are you just putting an activity for the here and now and to tick a box? Yeah. So in first year, I was the latter one, so yeah. I was the here and That's now, I, like. I was I was physical activity, yeah. and one activity a week, that was all I had to do, done. Yeah. Yeah. but now it's about physical education, you've got yeah. to educate them, you've got to engage with them, you've got to get them interested in the subject, yeah. and move it all forward, and have a spiral curriculum, get them interested, get repeat things, um, and yeah, that's just something to
1: think about, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah smashing stuff, Matt. Really, really good stuff. So, well, uh, well, we'll conclude there for today because uh, I think that's we're both up. we're both getting a bit too sweaty in our respected rooms with the uh, the heat of the temperature outside. Uh, it's a
0: bit warm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, luckily, uh, luckily, the listeners can't can't see us. Uh, but but no, Matt, Matt, that's a really enjoyable conversation I've uh, I've really enjoyed that today uh, some really great points you make I think going forward is as, as, as teachers and, and and listeners which 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 you've gone through there uh, during the discussion and just at the end there a really a really interesting debate if you like between the similarities and differences I mean it started getting me sat here thinking you know, actually, they are quite similar, which I would probably have always said, actually, no, I would, I would consider the more differences. So, and and some really great points that you make as well. So, Matt, how can, how can people get in contact with you?
0: Uh, contact me on Twitter, um, at Mr. M Hennessy, spelled H-E-N-N-E-S-S-E-Y, just like the uh, whiskey or brandy, whichever one it was. Um, or contact Sam, and he can pass over my email address or Facebook or anything. Yeah. Um, honestly, if anyone wants anything, Ask any questions, further details, anything like that,
1: get in touch. Um I've got my peer lessons on Twitter and other sort of stuff. So Yeah, and some great PA lessons by the way. Great follow. work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So Thank you. and yeah, make sure you uh you spell his name because right, it's uh, it's a difficult one. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to uh thanks everyone for tuning in again. Uh would really, really appreciate any feedback as always. And and of course if you're a coach or even a teacher now and you're interested about appearing on do not hesitate to get in touch with me i'm always looking for people to get onto the podcast so thanks very much to matt yeah thanks very much to matt Uh, thanks everyone for listening and of course we'll see you all next week